Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Courtside Convo. It is November 1st. Halloween is officially passed, and the NBA season is in full swing. We missed last week. Most of us were working, or a few of us were working the Michigan State versus Hillsdale game exhibition that occurred here. Um, but that gives us a chance to jump into some storylines that have happened. But first off, let's go around the table. Everybody introduce yourselves. How's everybody doing, though? Let's start off with you, Tim, to my left. Doing pretty good. Uh, my Celtics are still undefeated, feeling good. Uh, just ready to watch more basketball. I've been taking a lot of games in on uh, League Pass. So, yeah, I'm just excited. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How was your Halloween? Uh, pretty good. Pretty uneventful, but pretty good. Sit. This is Martin. Everything's going well. My Pistons are fantastic. I mean, just about as good as we could have expected thus far. So, oh, yeah. very happy. Halloween was fun. Everything's looking up. Everything's good. The vibes are up. Nice jersey. You got up. The, one of the flyest jerseys on, man. Heck the yeah. Verner's Pistons jersey. Uh, this is Derek. Um, Curry's been playing out of his mind. I have to jot that on there. Curry's are you a Warriors great. fan or a Pistons fan? It's like blended, honestly. It's a little bit 50-50. I go back and forth, which you guys are giving me faces, and I guess that doesn't look good. But is that is that wrong? Is you that have, yes. So you have blended uh, allegiances to both teams? In a way, yeah. You can't pick. What is your... The, you can't pick the dynasty and the, the really bad team <laughs> right. at the same time. Right, right. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, Halloween was great. Which one's your main? Which one's my main? Yeah. Probably Detroit. I'm from here. I have to kind of rep it in a way. But I, I like Golden hope. State. I would hope. I'm a big Curry fan. I would hope. <laughs> I'm your host tonight, AJ Evans. Like I said, great to be here with you guys. We're going to jump right into it. There is a lot going on around the league. But first off, we're going to start off with Another blockbuster trade that has happened after seeing Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard moved. Another guard out of the Eastern Conference is switching teams. This time, he's going out west, back home to his hometown of Los Angeles. James Harden is a Clipper. And the Philadelphia 76ers, Clippers trade, the Sixers received Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 unprotected first rounder, two second round picks, a 2029 pick swap, and an additional first-round pick from the OKC Thunder, who, as we know, have a treasure chest worth of picks for the next 15 years. The Clippers, on the other hand, received James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrusiv. So, guys, first off, I just, I'll just i start with you, Martin. Tell me your initial thoughts on this trade. My initial thoughts are just not a lot of anything. I feel like it doesn't really raise the ceiling for either team all that much. I think the biggest thing here is the Sixers getting James Harden out of their hair. I think that he made it really clear that he was not playing a single game for them this year. So I think they got a pretty good haul for him. Like I am surprised they got as much as they did. Um, I think he'll be good for the for the uh, um, Clippers, but I don't think it's a it's a game changer by any means. But I think it might be maybe a slight ceiling raiser or something. A slight ceiling raise for the Clippers. For the, for the Clippers, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we all know the the big thing is just the health for them. And, you know, it's not like James Harden is the healthiest guy ever. And he's not he's not a number – it's not 2018 anymore. So it's – you've got a serviceable point guard who can get you some buckets in the playoffs, but that's about it. And that's about all I have to say. So, honestly, pretty even trade in my way. Seven Sixers got him out of his hair, which is good. And they got a lot back for him with the picks as well is going to be great. Just building a little bit of a roster, good depth on our team as well for this year, so that's a good rebuilding. But 
for the Clippers. I mean, getting James Harden is it's okay. It kind of raises the bar a little bit, but not much. Um, I just don't see James Harden goes to many different teams, and he kind of like ruins them in a way. I don't know. It's it's usually a little bit toxic everywhere he goes. So I don't know. I'm good to see how that is, but I'm just not a big James Harden fan. He's really toxic every single place he goes. So. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, my my Western Conference uh, prediction is officially voided, as in the last episode when I said I liked the Clippers as they were previously constructed. Luckily, they didn't have to give up Terrence Mann, which helps a lot. But still, I mean, this team just has second round exit written all over it. <laughs> so real. I the, the where's Waldo Paul George is gonna go platinum Whoa. in late April. Okay, early you're May. you're copying yeah. that from in a tweet or X. That's all. Yeah, it's That's gonna they like it's it's almost all like it's planned out. Like you can see it from like sometimes you're caught by surprise when teams don't succeed. Yeah, I gotta put some respect on Paul George's name. Uh, I like Paul yeah. George. I like Kawhi Leonard. That's why I thought they were gonna do good, but now you just add James Harden and. and like, I don't know. I think there's just there's better teams in the West. Yeah. To be fair, a second round exit in the West is yeah, that's like, a, impressive. Yeah, but the, the, for the Clippers, this is this, this is, is the last like, chance. This is because yeah. then I think both Kawhi and Paul George are free agents after this. I don't know. Mm. I think I think that you underestimate how well that team is built. Like I think people forget about because of the injuries that the Clippers are a shockingly well built team. Like mm-hmm. from the ground up, from bench, all the starters and. And well coached too. Yeah, True. super well coached. And if I, I'm very high. Like I love, um, I love Kawhi Leonard. When he's at his best, he's like, he's an efficient thirty points and the best defender on the floor. Like, I think that he could lead them to a championship, but it's unlikely. I'd say. Like, yeah, yes. I, I like him too. But like, you can have a great constructed team, but then if James Harden just goes like two for fifteen with playing no defense, <laughs> then it, it's like. That's kind of what you saw in games six and seven uh, in the last year's second round. They were up 3-2. Harden played great. And then it's just there's a little disconnect. Effort's not there. And then you're on your couch watching the it's Eastern the, Conference Finals. Oh my it's God. the effort for Harden I, that really gets it. It's just right. like... It, you know, okay. I, I, I just want to say <laughs> I think I'm a little more optimistic than you guys. Um, I like it. I do. I think, you know, this roster is comprised, especially at the top, of guys who have underperformed in the last few years in the playoffs. There's no secret. Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden. However, I think all of these guys understand what is at stake here, and I think all of these guys are aware enough to know that this is and I'll say it, this is probably their last best chance to win a title. Kawhi already has one, but two. Paul George or two? Wait. Yeah, two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I'm tripping, I'm tripping. Yeah, San Antonio. Forget about that, Kawhi. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's good. Um, but at the same time, though, I think in some ways the, the, the pressure is on, especially for, for Paul and Kawhi. You know, we've talked about what's at stake for this Clippers team. I mean, you think have, – have you guys seen the Showtime – uh, series with the Lakers? No, have you guys I have seen not. It? No, I have not. No. Well, <clears throat> in it, just a quick backstory. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but when Magic was drafted and when the Lakers were slowly but surely becoming, you know, the dynasty that they became, there was a lot of pressure on Bus because the owner of the Lakers, because 
financially they were not in a good place. And winning, they were sort of like dependent on the Lakers winning and playing really well and, and doing as well as they could to sort of make back a lot of that money. There was a lot that went into it. It was very complicated. Not to say that the Clippers have that, but there's a lot at stake here. You have two guys on these contracts that are pushing a quarter billion dollars. You have a new stadium that's on the way in the heart of Los Angeles that's going to that's cost a fortune. Got to pay for all the toilets. There's like the right. most toilets in any oh, yeah. arena for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, Steve Ballmer Steve said Ballmer, he, he yeah. said he wants he wants fans in their seats and he yeah. was like I don't want fans waiting. And that's we it's funny people laugh about it but it was a serious problem. No, like it is. I I think in I think there was a playoff series a few years ago like Toronto or something. I swear like you'd watch it on national TV and it was packed and then you'd be like where did everyone go the entire third quarter because everyone would be in the restroom or at concessions or whatever and then finally fourth quarter I'd fill back up so um but uh no I I I like this trade and I I like what it does obviously I'm a big Harden fan I've remained a big Harden fan I I've um despite everything that's happened it didn't work out in Philly the way it should have. I wish sometimes he had given it a little bit more time, but I like what's at stake. And also, too, I feel like people are forgetting about Russell Westbrook. And I know the pairing between those two didn't work that well in Houston, but they were at different points in their careers. And I think regardless of whatever people say, I do think Harden was able to put his ego to the side and do what was best for the best interest of the team in Philly having played with Joel Embiid, and I'm optimistic about him being able to do the same thing in L.A. And I hope he embraces taking on even more of a facilitator role because there will be nights where the team will need him to score and create offense. There will be nights in the playoffs where the teams will need him to do that. But as far as options go, if this team is run the way we expect it to be, Paul George and Kawhi should be one and two. And hopefully James or Russ is, is the playmaker. Um on that hand. Wait, I'm going to you do you think all four are going to start? Is that what you're saying? Cuz I think I think not, Russ is maybe not the now, man but I do for sure. not now, mm-hmm. but I think in the playoffs I, I think so. And the playoffs I I don't know if they start all no, together, close, but I think so. that's I think yeah. yeah, that's and that's what I'm I, thinking of. I think I, in cr- in crunch time those guys are all playing together. I'm not I'm not sure cuz I'm I'm not a big Russ guy, especially not currently. I mean, we all know his efficiency problems, but I I think that Harden is certainly when he's not even in the Sixers, he was their second option or like sort of 2A, 2B with uh, him and Maxi. Mm-hmm. But right now he's a clear three. Like Paul George is currently 27 points a game. And yeah. we all know Kawhi can be just the same. I think that they, he, they, they don't need him to create his own shot really. As long as he can attack closeouts and shoot, catch and shoot threes, which I'd hope he can. Yeah. Well, the, that's a good enough role for them. They don't need him to now, but in the playoffs, Guys who can create for themselves are everything. And you need guys who can create for themselves outside of your two stars because it's very easy to game plan against two out of five guys, no matter how good they are in the playoffs. You got a seven-game series. We've seen it time and time again. And also, too, like I said, the track record speaks for itself. If they're playing Phoenix or Sacramento or whoever, there's not a guarantee that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both putting up 30. With their luck, there's a chance that Kawhi Leonard tweaks his knee and is out for games two, three, and four, and or that he's healthy and Paul George is for whatever reason is struggling. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you're gonna need a guy like Harden to be there and to be creating offense in those situations. Maybe not in the regular season, but 
this trade was not made for the regular season, obviously. You know, no yeah. trades are, but like. Well, also, I think it helps them in the regular season. If, yeah. say, Kawhi goes out for 25 games, yes. then Harden can pick up some more of the load. Westbrook will have an elevated role. So they do have a good, like, contingency policy if one of the two guys that haven't really been there a whole lot in the past four years, if one of those, if they follow the same trend they've had, then they will be in a better spot than they have been in previous years. Yeah, I mean, and also, too, you go out and get a guy who everybody, every playoff team would want in P.J. Tucker. Like, say what you want, but that dude is a dog on defense, and he's a capable three-point shooter. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I like what this trade does for them. I know people are concerned necessarily about the fit, and I know it's it's a little bit hard to see the vision right now. I think it's a little bit murky. I understand all these guys have egos. And in some ways, too, let's call it for what it is. You could argue that all of these guys, especially Harden and Westbrook, are declining stars, so to speak. But I think they know what's at stake here. And also, too, for Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, you know, these guys are all from L.A. I think this means a lot to them to be in a position to compete for a chip. And I think they're going to do what they need to do to get it done. But maybe that's just me being a little too sentimental about it. I, but I'm optimistic. Yeah. I, I One point I wanted to bring up was that um, a lot of people, like we said about Harden, kind of blowing up places once he leaves. He absolutely did that to Houston. But I, I did hear that I think he just had gripes with Daryl Morey. I, Tyrese Maxey on a podcast recently said that uh, Harden himself like, was showing up to practices and was really nice about it, like, was really cordial and everything about it. So I, I think he was doing the best he could, he, he could do in terms of how much he was disagreeing with Daryl Morey. And I think especially L.A. being his hometown adds an extra level of, like, oomph to his, his love sure. and he's trying to give his all to that team. So I'm, I'm confident in that. And there is, and this is the last thing, but, the, the, like, there are misconceptions around a lot of these stars. Like when you look at, and I, I've said this before, like I felt like in Brooklyn, <clears throat> Kyrie and KD were sort of getting the same treatment from the media in terms of being problematic or whatever the case may be. One thing you can say about Kyrie, and you guys can all tell me, I have never, not one time, heard of Kyrie being a bad teammate. Yeah, no, all the Celtics, the Celtics fans hate him, but all the former guys love him. Yes, never, never heard it one time. It's and definitely a media thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and and you know, it's narratives get spent, they get con- spun, they get controlled, all of that. But no, with, with Harden, I mean, in terms of him forcing his way out, you know, my thing is, so what? Guy, guys have forced their way out since the beginning of the league. Yeah. How many stars have we seen have been like, you know what? I'm ready to leave. I want out. Trade me. You know, now it didn't get as ugly maybe as we saw it in Houston get, but and this one wasn't more of a force out as it was he wanted to he opted in so he could get traded. It was the agreement. The reason why he's calling Daryl Morey a liar is because he opted in to the last year of his deal, thinking Daryl Morey would trade him, and that's what they agreed upon. And then some things changed over the summer. They weren't getting enough or what they thought they could get for Harden. And Maury just decided to keep him until he got a better offer. And I don't, I think this offer was probably the one that was around in July. But yeah. I think at this point, um, yeah, Maury just wanted to be done with it. Yeah, I mean, know? at this point, they had to take what they can get and they couldn't afford to have another Ben Simmons situation on their hands. Because at the end of the day, it's not about Harden, it's about maximizing Joel Embiid's prime. Yeah. And yeah. The, mm-hmm. the clock is officially 
it's yeah, it's ticking. Yeah. It's and ticking. I think this obviously opens up a huge slot for Maxi. I think he's already yes. favored as um, most improved player. You can you could definitely see the flashes before, but now with he'll have the ball in his hands mm-hmm. uh, a lot more. He'll be the main second guy. Like it'll be him and four other like role players sometimes when Embiid's like they'll kind of platoon each other where one guy will have to take the load. So he'll he'll be playing a lot more, and it's gonna be exciting to see. Yeah, I'm, uh, the world is Maxi's now. Right. Like mm-hmm. I mean. And I don't want to look too far down the line, but with all of the rumors swirling around Joel, you know, within another playoff series or two, Philly could be Maxie's within a couple of years. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's it'll be interesting to see what he makes of right now because you can best believe that that front office is eyeing, okay, if and when Joel and B gets frustrated and wants to jump ship, what do we have with Maxie? Will we need mm-hmm. to tear it all down, or could we pivot our focus to building around him? But that's a conversation. I think that's a couple years away. It's interesting to see what they do with these two picks, too, if they reinvest them into another piece for this deadline, or they just kind of hold on to them and maybe draft. I mean, 28 and 29 are are far ways away, but I think you they might look to say, hey, we can re- rebuild instead of kind of retool and buy with these pieces. For sure. Y'all want to move on to the East? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Pivoting back to the Eastern Conference. Boston Celtics, hot take Tim's C's are in first place. Yep. Sitting at 3-0. and Pretty comfortable. Yeah, pretty comfortable. I mean, it is – It is no. well, it's November now, so I don't have to keep talking to myself, and yeah. it's only October. Uh, it'll be that way until it's only March, It's only, and then it'll be April in playoff time. Oh, yeah. But they so, look, I mean, they look good, though. This, this, The offense looks good, but what's most impressed – what I've been most impressed with has been <clears throat> the defense, especially Drew Holiday and yeah. Derek White. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was you and I – I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe it was you and me on Monday, but Jason Tatum was quoted maybe after the first or second game saying – those guys are playing so well defensively right now, it makes him want to play that much harder because he said, you don't want to be the weak link out there. Yeah. And I think that that could be the X factor for this team. Um, I, the Celtics have – in term, we talk about getting over the hump. The hump for them is not getting to the finals anymore. It's getting a championship yeah. at this mm-hmm. point. It's, um, yeah. We're, the next five months, it, they could – like I think they'll do well, but like it, it truly – no Celtics fan cares about the regular season at this point. Or I, even the owner, like Wick Grosbeck, has said it's the finals or bust. That's why they broke up this team. He said after that game seven against Miami, he said there's going to have to be a change that was made. Obviously, he was moving uh, Marcus Smart and bringing Porzingis and uh, Drew Holiday. Uh, it's someone else every night, which is pretty good to see. Like You had Derek White go for 28 the other night. Um and then the next game, Jalen Brown had 36, Tatum had 33. Like, it's just, you don't know who it's going to come from every night, but with those four guys, even five guys, one of them's going to be hot, and you're just going to feed the hot hand, and it's really tough to guard. Porzingis said his defense has been a lot easier, and he, he's been saying he's in, like, defensive heaven right now because... It's no longer. I hope he stays there. It's it's no longer uh, Luka Doncic and um, other guys at the point of attack. It's it's Drew Holiday and Derek White. So once guys get into the lane, they did a great job trying to beat Derek White and Drew Holiday. 
then you have to see seven foot three Porzingis, and it's just they've been really good sound defensively, and it's it's been fun to watch. Yeah, personally, I don't see any team taking that one seed. I like maybe the Sixers, or I guess dependent on injury for sure. But given, I think right now in the regular season, Jason Tatum is the best player in the league. Like nobody's going to give you as much consistent production and games played as Tatum's going to give you with some of the stars sitting out a little bit more than he is. And I think they're going to win. They're probably going to have the best record in the NBA as long as everything stays healthy. Yeah, I don't see anyone being better than them. Maybe Philly, but I'd I'd highly doubt it. I'd highly doubt it. I don't even think Philly takes the one seed over them. I think if they have the number one seed in the league and it's by a good amount, Tatum would have my vote for MVP. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it'll be interesting because he'll still get hit. I feel like so far he's been the one who's most consistently gotten his. Drew Holiday's kind of taken a step back so far been a little inconsistent offensively but that's really not what he's there for and i think it'll it'll come around he's mm. he's been in the league too long for it to not um and yeah he's probably still trying to feel his way through the offense too. yeah and yeah. as well as that because drew holiday you know can be tough scoring the playoffs sometimes but thankfully he has like two arguably three players who are just as capable or more capable scorers than he is. Yeah. He so he's got a to. lot of help to stay really open. And it's it's kind of scary when you think about it that he just has to focus on defense. It's like it's very scary. if oh, yeah. he's been going two-way and he's, he had to carry the load last year when Chris Middleton was out as the the guard in that situation with more ball handling when uh, Giannis wasn't. And when he has those responsibilities, he is very, very good on he, offense. He is yes. very good. But now that he can kind of take a step back and just, like, really lock down defensively, it's been he's been special on the defensive end. rest of the league better look out. I feel you know, bad so. for guards in the East. <laughs> oh, I yeah, really do. I do too. You guys have the most consistent team in the East. There's just, like... Drew Holiday cannot play offense and just sit back and lock up and do what he does best. Like, there's no team in the league really that can do that as much as they can. And you have the scores that can just keep giving you 30 every single night. It's honestly just impossible for you to stop. You guys have the East. You guys have the East for sure. Pivoting to another Eastern Conference team, one that's gotten off to a decent start, maybe not to some people, but to me and a couple other people in this room they have, the Detroit Pistons. Oh, yeah. I have absolutely loved to see real positive opinions about this team in the media since I think a lot of Pistons fans knew what it was and knew what it could be, but last year it wasn't exactly a, a, a watchable team. <laughs> and looking now at what we are, it's it's fantastic to see it. Cade is is really that guy that people think he is. He's been yes. that that amazing, like that slow dribble protecting it right into that shoulder with the pull up. He's been doing it. <laughs> Several times every game, and Star. it's on. It's amazing. the The passing is great. There are issues, obviously. The turnovers against OKC were too high, but mm-hmm. it's it's a basically second year player at this point. Um, those things will all clean uh, clean themselves up. I mean, currently he's he's shooting five of six from three in this Portland game. He's absolutely knocked down, and that's the part I've been most happy about. Given that um, in his college days he was a great three point shooter and. That's what people said. That's what needed to come back. Um, Osar looks like, like I think next year he's all defense. If not, like I think the only reason he wouldn't be all defense this year would be the Pistons being near the bottom of the league. He is yeah. that good on defense. Yeah, it's it's scary to take from Tim how yeah. how good that guy and how high his IQ is. Oh yeah, my 
goodness. It, but he reminds me so much of someone. But oh, I was gonna I'm, let you finish. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I he's like I think is because the thing is offensively. I mean, one of the things I've loved is that report about him. He's just a gym rat. Like he <laughs> is a huge hard worker. Like people, everyone that's near him says that he's just an amazingly hard worker. And on offense, all he needs to do is uh, we've seen this two or three times thus far where he's attacking the rim and he gets up and has amazing body control, like these double clutch layups around the rim. And all he needs to do on offense is shoot threes, which he has been decently well. The, the, the signs are there. He's early, but he can do that. And if he can attack closeouts, that's amazing on defense. And he could be the best defender in the league, like genuinely. It could be like Drew Holiday plus... Like like Draymond Green's IQ with the perimeter defense of Drew Holiday, it's it's nuts. Draymond Green's IQ with the perimeter defense of Drew. I, I like that it. a lot. And yeah. also and also he's got a lot of leaping, which Drew Holiday doesn't have as much yeah, of. Yeah, very like, athletic. He's but like, that's he reminds me of everything. And those teams were not great, so I feel like a lot of people don't didn't appreciate him then. But he reminds me of a lot what. Early 76ers, Andre Iguodala was for those Ooh, teams. That's a good like, comparison. He's just – he's everywhere defensively. He's so good, and then he's just so explosive around the rim. He's giving you highlight real plays. But, you know, I, I want to talk for a minute if it's okay with you guys. Andre Iguodala was somebody who's like – his game has grown on me over the years. Like when I was younger, I feel like he was a fan fra- favorite because he was always, you know, on Center, NBA TV for highlight real dunks. You know, I knew him as that really athletic guy for the Sixers. But, like – as I got older, I realized, like, this dude's IQ is insanely high. Like, he might average nine points and six assists and seven boards, but he's everywhere on the floor. Like, and you have to account for him on, on every play, offense and defense. And so that's so much of what I see in, in Thompson right now. Like, I think he has, like, young Iguodala written all over him. And that's the, the role that they envisioned for him being here. And that's what makes it even more scary to me, too, because, you know, this team plans on building around Cade. And I, even though he's coming off the bench, like I said, which I don't agree with, I think they still plan on building around Cade and Ivy in that backcourt. And I think it's safe to say Duran is is the franchise cornerstone center. So you have some building blocks set in stone right now. Getting a guy like Thompson is just not say it's icing on the cake, but it, in some ways it is for your future. But like. It, like you said, it's it's amazing to watch how good he is on defense this early. I liken it to like what we saw out of Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. Like early, it was like like this is insane that you're this good and that your IQ is this high and that you understand things this easily this early into your career. So it's gonna be insane to see. I, I think he makes all defense within these next two three years. Um, Obviously, is super, super early in the season, but if he continues to play like this, I, I'd i expect him at some point to hit a roadblock. You know, playing defense in the league is grueling, and it's hard, and he's young and athletic right now, but I think back to what something Jason Kidd said in an interview once talking about rookies, everyone touches the rookie wall. You may not hit it, but everyone's going to touch it at some point. And so whenever that does happen, you know, not to say I expect it maybe his effort or anything to fall off, but I think it might be hard for him to grasp certain concepts or teams might be able to pick on him a little bit more just being a rookie. There will be things he simply hasn't seen on certain nights. And so, but right now, though, the the signs are really, really promising, and I expect big things out of him. Um, Yeah, 
if I could just uh, one thing that makes me really happy about him is I think the way Monty in his first interview as a Pistons head coach, one thing he said is he said that the teams that Pistons have won won championships with in the past have been defensive oriented teams. Of course, in 0-4 and you know with the bad boys, it's all been defense oriented, and I think he wanted to model this Pistons team hopefully after that, and I think it makes me really happy the way I've seen fantastic pa- passing out of this Pistons team. I think they were currently were close to leading the league in assists, like shockingly close for, you know, such a not so great team. Um, and I think that, yeah, they're like third in the league in assist yeah, percentage, which is shocking. Like it's a very, it's a very passing oriented team oriented team, just like the Oh four team. And he was the missing piece because every team that is a monster defensive team, which this team has the potential to be with Duran, with, you know, having a six foot seven point guard, um, is that guy who's like a transcendent defensive player. And he is that guy. Like him and Duran are the, the, the going to take the hardest, uh, hardest assignments every time, going to do that every single game. And that's like the missing link you need. It makes me very happy for our future because I think we have at least, I mean, in my eyes, Stu, Beef Stew is locked in too. And I think we have at least five players that are part of a true championship hopeful future. I hope. I think if there's any trade that happens, if somebody were to tell me one of these guys is going to be on a roster because of a big trade, I think it's Stu that probably gets traded, as much as that would pain me. But either way, though, I hope all of these guys are around for the long term. Um, and that they all progress enough to where you can justify paying them to where you don't have a, a Sadiq Bay situation where you're debating on <laughs> if if you should give this guy money and then you have to part ways with him because of that. But um, I want to pivot to another team real fast just because we'll talk about them real quick. So the, I said the Pistons are third in assist to turnover ratio, assist percentage. You guys know who's first? Don't look. Is it? I'll give you a hint. It's a team with a young point guard who is very good. Is it the Pacers? Yes. I would. Yes. And Tyrese Halliburton, I checked last night or, or maybe this morning, is averaging over like twelve assists per game yeah, so far. Yeah, he's he's re- he can really distribute wow, it. It's. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not gonna like say it, that it's like that, but when you look at the really tall point guard, I mean, it looks like magic. <laughs> I mean. Not actually, but come on, he's he's tall, he's dishing it out, and he's been fantastic. That one game, I can't remember who they beat, but he had like like thirty points, was shooting fantastic, and like like twelve or thirteen assists. He has been fantastic this year. The Pacers um, look pretty great overall. Yeah, he the Pacers look good. Currently, they're getting blown out by Tim Celtics. So. No, Tyrese Halliburton though. He, yeah, he's out. Unfortunately, he was out uh, for this game. Yeah, and. It, yeah, they've just they've seen it's been tired. Like Halliburton had a good year last year, and we saw some flashes from Matherin, and um, but now they get Bruce Brown, Neesmith stepped up a lot. I like they have a a, a sneaky little team that yes. can mm-hmm. like they can sneak up on you on they could beat anybody on anyone any night. Do yeah. I think they'll advance? No, but I think they could be like a, they have the ceiling of like an eight or a nine seat. I think. Yeah, I mean, and that says a lot right now because yeah. these guys are so young. And 
you know, you have your your centerpiece. You've already figured out the biggest challenge, which yeah. is who's going to be our guy. You yeah. got it in Halliburton. Yeah. You struck gold. Um, not to mention you have a big-time coach who's proven, who's seen it all, who's coached teams in the cellar who are trying to rebuild and teams who are competing for championships and Rick Carlisle, who I think they just gave an extension too, like yep. last year. So you have those things figured out. Now it's just a matter of figuring out how can we maximize Halliburton and who are the guys that fit best around him. And I think Matherin is one of those guys. I was really, really high on him. Um, I'm glad he ended up in Indiana. I thought Detroit would be a really good uh, destination for him, but I think Indiana has worked out even better just because of how good of a playmaker Halliburton is. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this team because they're fun. Like, yeah. And I don't think we mm-hmm. talked about – I don't really think we talked about them in terms of fun league pass teams. No, but week. they definitely fit the qualifications. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to get some lobs. You're going to get some crazy lobs. Who was their rookie? Is it is it Jairus Walker? Yeah. Jairus uh, Walker? Yeah. Yep. He also was a guy that projected to be – like he's their defensive stopper, and mm-hmm. I think that was a really good pick for them because that's one thing that they lacked is they don't have that guy who's going to take the hardest assignment on the floor. And he could absolutely be that guy. I haven't seen a ton of Pacers right now. Um, I've, I haven't heard anything about how he's doing, but I think he could be a really great fit for them in the future. Yeah, and I think they have one of the most underrated centers in Miles Turner. He's been he's a oh, great yes. defender. He can shoot the three somewhat. I think he can be like a he can be your center on a playoff team. He's been. He's only 27, which is crazy to me. Feels like he's been around forever. He has. I think he came. I think he spent two years at Texas, maybe one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he I think he was a one. You must have been a one and done. Yeah, I think he but, was a one and done. But just the fact that he he's still pretty young. They have him locked up long term. I I love Ben Matherin. I think he can really. Um, he's just a really great scorer. I think. Yeah, I think they could see themselves being a, around the play in. Uh, by the end of the year absolutely the future is bright there's a lot to like in indiana um before we pivot over to the western conference we'll just go around rapid fire give me one player that has stood out from the eastern conference so far i'll start off i don't mean to be generic because we were just talking about them but for me it's halliburton 20 points 12 assists the numbers look almost identical from last year where he averaged 20 and 10 but i think it's very um it's very apparent to me that he's taken another step. I think, and I think it also paid major dividends for him to play with USA Basketball, as with Cade, um, this summer. But that's my guy. I that I think has been the standout from the East. I think he is a, a future superstar point guard in the making. I'll go with uh, Cam Thomas. Oh, I was about to say that. Wow. Yeah, he's been uh, really good, <laughs> averaging thirty-three points in he's three cooking. games. That first game against the Cavs, when he came off the bench, he was just on fire. Um, it was really fun to watch. I mean, it hasn't really turned into winning at all, but I don't think that's what the Brooklyn Nets are really trying to do right now. They're they're just they're having fun. They're going back to their old old ways of just smiling, having fun. They're just trying to figure out dancing he, on the bench. He's like he's like a he's like a hooper's hooper. Yeah, he's <laughs> all just he do, all he does is come off the bench and just get buckets that's yeah, it yeah he's, he's one of those playground guys like he's well, gonna come yeah. off the bench and just give you 30 but I that's like really, guys that's what they need they don't have much scoring when it comes to um their other core guys so i think if he can just kind of if he's giving the opportunity i think he should take it and just see how many points he can score they need to start him <laughs> yep yeah i think they they started <laughs> they started the last three games i think one guy that i 
I know he he is a big name, but I think I've we've heard so much Wembenyama, we've heard so much, uh, you know, Osar and all, all these other guys. Nobody is talking about Brandon Miller because he is exactly what everyone thought he would be. He is currently forty four percent from three on five attempts a game, seventeen points a game, and he's shooting forty seven percent from the field. It's like that's exactly what he wanted. He's playing great. Um, I mean, the Hornets are not doing great, but Brandon Miller is just exactly the guy everyone wanted him to be. He's going to shoot the three ball really well, and he's going to defend well, and he's been playing super well. Shout out Charlotte. For sure. And LaMelo. <laughs> yeah, that team <laughs> Had to get needs. that one in there. It's another playground player. Yeah. LaMelo? He's so yeah. fun to watch. He's going to be a superstar, too. He's just he just got to figure it all out, and they got to get... They, they got to get good. They need structure. They need yeah. a, yes. they need exactly. a new coach. They need to get um, – Steve some... Clifford is their coach, and he's, like, a, I think a good coach. I, they're just, like, a mess. Yeah, there is yeah. no way he finishes his career in Charlotte. Steve <laughs> Clifford? No. no LaMelo. Yeah, probably. He, yeah. He's, like, he has the personality where it's, like, he's going to L.A. Or, like, yeah. you know, he's going to the Knicks. Like, Miami. Something like Miami. that. Miami. That's what it's going to be there's, Miami. Yeah. I, I feel like there's no way he stays there just by his person Because he's an L.A. guy, too, isn't he? Yeah. Isn't he yeah, from he's L.A.? From there, yeah. LaMelo in New York. Hills, yeah, yeah, come on now. Yeah. He's, Chino Hills was worldwide oh at one God. point, yeah. man. Best high school. Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah that's a good team that was, ever. That 91-point game, man. Oh, yeah. Cherry picking galore. What's your pick? No defense. But, um. LaMelo in New York would be crazy, though. That would be insane, but. Who, um, on the Knicks or Brooklyn? No, New York, the Knicks. Okay. Yeah, playing in the Garden, forty-one. Oh, I think he fits. I think he fits with Brooklyn now, though. If you could get him with we're, like we're McCall not Bridges, teams, but like no, I, the yeah, personality, I like guess, the yeah, Knicks fans' personality. personality. Like it's like how like Trey Young, it just makes so much sense for Atlanta. Yeah. Like Trey Young is just mm-hmm. an Atlanta guy. Lamelo Ball is a is a Knicks guy. Is like, he though? Yeah. I don't think Trey Young's an Atlanta guy. Really? No. I think really? just, I see LA all over him though. I don't know. Trey why. no, I mean Trey Young is from Oklahoma and just with how he is. Trey Young easily I thought Dallas would have been cool for him. Yeah. Like he he was an Oklahoma guy. He mm-hmm. went to Oklahoma. I was like, Oh, Dallas, that'll be dope. He's still, you know, around his home state, you know, just moving a little further south. I thought that would have been cool. I don't think he's in okay, I don't know fair. if there are Atlanta guys. <laughs> fair. I mean, my pick is Jason Tatum. It's kinda like yeah, I'm running off a Tim's train a little bit, but I mean, he's averaging 29 points a game and eight rebounds. Like, he's just so efficient, and so just every single night he's gonna be there and he's gonna put up his 30, and he's gonna get assists as well and rebounds. He's just such a good player, such an efficient player. He kind of he doesn't carry the team a little bit, but he definitely is gonna get his. So I think, and he's a, I think he's an MVP candidate. He plays amazing like that, and he plays like an MVP candidate as well. So I chose Tatum for that. Absolutely, big time. All right, moving out west, where the Denver Nuggets, the reigning champs, are sitting at the top of the standings right now. They're currently 4-0 and with five players averaging in double figures, led by their superstar center, Nikola Jokic, who is averaging 26.5 points to over 12 rebounds and 8.5 assists, while his counterpart, Jamal Murray, is averaging 20 points and 8 assists also through four games. Guys, it's still really early, but... What do you guys think about Denver? There doesn't appear to be much of a championship hangover. These guys look sharp. They look good, and they look better than ever. Right now, I think that the only two, like, tier one teams in the league are Denver and the Celtics. Like, Denver 
just I mean that starting five is just a basketball machine of death. Like it's the it's the best offense in the league, no question. It's mm-hmm. scary. And I think that the scariest thing that this year is there is no championship hangover for them. I mean, everyone made fun of Mike Malone, you know, saying all this stuff about the media doubting Denver, <laughs> but the motivation worked. They True. they did not slow down at all. They're out there with no they're taking no breaks. And the other thing that I think some people highlighted and some people noticed is that they have been playing really well on defense. It is not, I mean, they don't have insane defensive pieces by any means, but it is a really well-coached defense. I think Mike Malone deserves a lot of credit for that because their switching on the perimeter looks fantastic. Uh, Their offense, again, obviously looks amazing. I haven't seen, they're just one of those offenses where it's like they're, they're gonna. They have those plays where they just go back to whenever they're missing out, and they're just gonna get a bucket. Like that same that double drag screen they run oh, yes. with Jokic and Murray. Yeah. Did nobody's figured? Did you it watch? Out. There was a. They ran it on the Lakers the last like five oh, plays yeah. of the game. It was <laughs> so, truly. It was a mat, It was crazy what they did down the stretch against the Lakers. One thing I, I love dismantled about, them. One yeah. thing I love about Denver is that. Um, with like teams like the Lakers, like their rotations, series to series in the playoffs, change significantly because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna put guys in based on matchups. But maybe not this year, but like last year, Celtics, like you're you're putting a lot of different players in. Yeah, this, sometimes they would this start one, depending this one's on Grant Williams. Yeah. This mm-hmm. time it's Derek White. Yeah. yeah, Denver is just like it's this. You're it's getting the same Denver every it. night. Yeah, but the the offense is so good. It's insane. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's like a game within a game. Like it's not even about okay who's starting. It's like what are we doing with three minutes left in the first quarter yeah. or the third quarter when we need to finish mm-hmm. things off? You know. Yeah, and it's just it's I I think it was also hilarious how much Jokic bullied Shet Holmgren. Yeah. <laughs> he was bullied him. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, they look amazing. And one. One player to give a shout out to, KCP looks better than ever. He's, he, yeah, he's a ball. I, I mean, he's already been like a one of the premier three and D guys. He's looked even better somehow. So, shout out to them. Sorry. Yeah, I think that um, there it's tough to have a hangover for them when their their floor is just so high. Like an off night for Jokic is like twenty two, eleven, and twelve. Like, it's just like, that's like, ah, oh, man, you really didn't have it today. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it's insane when your best player is just so consistent. He, like, he has the stats to probably win MVP again, but they're, this, I think this is the time where it's, there's just too much fatigue, but uh, I, it's, he's truly, he's the best player in the world right now. 100%. I know the Nuggets, we're talking highly about them right now, but they're losing by 20 to the T Wolves at the moment, so. Undefeated no more, huh? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I mean, they're just such a dominant team with the high ceiling. Like, it's just their three and D playing their guard play off of Murray and Jokic is just so good. I mean, they play so well. Them him going rolling off the of screens and going out to the side and shooting a three is just kind of unstoppable. And him being able to dribble and facilitate as much as he can and get rebounds, he's just like he's kind of the perfect build for a my player. Like, if I would have build a player, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Build a player that can do everything and be seven feet or close to it. He's just the guy I would think about. He's just amazing. So I don't I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but somebody said that like twenty twenty three is like you know how used to like when you used to play with my player and my career or whatever, you could simulate to like eleven years and the league literally looked crazy. Like yeah. it'd have the crazy mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. with like LeBron on the Hornets or whatever. <laughs> somebody said twenty twenty three is like that. They were like the Nuggets are champs. 
There's some guy named Victor Wembanyama who is like seven five and does everything. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Durant is on the Suns. Like Chris Paul on the Warriors. Chris Paul. That's, that's the, the one that just looks that's so weird, weird, but it's helping. Yeah. Like, I think. I, um, are we gonna get into them later? Or can we can we talk about them now? Absolutely. Let's jump. I, I think we are in the part. Um, we are in the circle or the cycle of Chris Paul where he's the point god and oh my god he's he's playing so well and then they'll get good and then it'll go downhill in the playoffs and they'll be like oh my god no rings Scott Foster uh. and then <laughs> and then he'll get traded to another place that needs help needs a good leader and he'll do the whole thing again where it's the point god oh my god uh that's kind of how it goes. I don't, I don't know how much longer this is going to keep happening. I think can he like he did it with OKC. Well, first it started in New Orleans where he was the good point guard, full razor, all that. Then he goes to a title contender in the Clippers, and it just didn't work out injuries wise and all that. And then he which went, he shouldn't have even gone to. He should have been with the Lakers, but <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. Sorry for another day. And then it went to Rock, the Rockets, kind of the same thing where he was. That was still where he was trying to be a contender. And then he goes to OKC. He's the floor raiser. It's oh my god, he's he's somehow carrying this team to the playoffs. Then he did the same thing with the Suns. They get to the finals. They almost win it. They were two games away. And now, after the contending stuff didn't really work out, he's back with the Warriors and raising the floor of their second unit and hopefully they can get back to connect but it's working it's like, working I've a lot and it's fun to watch but it's just we're in the set where the cycle just repeats itself over and over again i'll be i'm i'm clearly clearly not high on chris paul i no, i like, i'm high on like chris I'm, paul it's just it's we're in the spot where expectations are well, low the, and he's exceeding them because the thing is right now i'm not going to argue about all the rest of his career i mean it, there's a lot of stuff that went on but right now <laughs> i don't think that I don't think people expected Chris Paul to be as good of a fit as he was. I think that him being the sixth man, I think for one, be hilarious if he won sixth man of the year. That would be <laughs> it would be really funny for a guy who was once second in MVP voting to win sixth man of the year. But also the other night I saw that the Warriors were positive while Steph Curry was off the court. Yeah. I guarantee you that did not happen one game last year. Like that no is no way. That just doesn't happen with them. And I think that could be what they need. Absolutely. Golden State is going to be fascinating to see this season. I hope it works out. I really do. Moving it's on to work another. Out. Move on to the Mavericks. <laughs> oh, we I know why you think so. Moving on out to Dallas. The Mavericks are 3 and 0. Whoa. That's what I have. But that's I that's how I literally feel. Um I'm 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 surprised but I'm not surprised. It's it's very early, so to see it work for a couple of games is not surprising. Um, they're first in off- uh, offensive rating uh, as as of now, um, at the time that we speak. Rating of 121.3. Luka is averaging a blazing 39 points per game right now. eleven Over 11 rebounds and over 9 dimes. Uh, while Kyrie is averaging 19, 4.5 rebounds and 6.5 assists. Um, their first true test early this season will come on Friday night against the Denver Nuggets who we just talked about, reigning NBA champs. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the Mavs, and I want to talk about I want to talk about Luka's dominance and if you guys think it's sustainable, which I think is not necessarily the question here. It's more so if it is, what is this team ceiling with Kyrie, with Grant Williams, and with the rest of these guys? We've seen Luka dominate throughout the course of his season, but 
is it just going to be another empty year for the Mavs if he does so? Or are things different now with the weapons that they have around him? Well, I I think you look at them and you say, oh, 3-0, that's, that's pretty cool. But then you, I mean, if you look, it's a six-point win over the Spurs, a five-point win over the Nets. And then they beat the Grizzlies by 15, which even though they don't have Jar Steven Adams, it's pretty impressive. It's not, I don't think it was ever the question about Luka. I think he has proven himself to be an all-NBA type player. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's more about the defense. Just can the defense hold up against these kind of top-tier Western Conference offenses? Uh, we still haven't seen that yet. I think, like you said, Friday we'll, we'll see the test of them going up against a, a better team. Um, I've liked Derek Lively so far. He he kind of, he, if you watch that game against the Spurs, he played better than Wembenyama for parts of it. I think if he can be something that, that's a plus for them. Lively is going to be very good. I think he will be too. That, like if they get, they just need a little bit more contribution from the wings, like Grant Williams. Hopefully he can be a little bit better. Hardaway Jr., and then Ky- like Kyrie's, he's been solid so far. Um, there's nothing really to. He hasn't gone crazy yet. Like that, that stuff will happen. You can bank on that for him. Not like in a, in a way of like him playing good basketball, not going crazy in other ways. But <laughs> he might do that too. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh wow. <laughs> sorry. Uh, like I just think they they're in a spot right now where um, they just have to. It's it's an 82 game season. We just got to see. For sure. Yeah, I think right now I feel much higher about them than I this year than I did last year. I think Grant Williams will take time, but I mean, he was great on the Celtics. He's exactly what you want. He's a capable three-point shooter and he's a good defender. Tim, do you disagree? And, <laughs> no, just he's one of the most painful <laughs> players to ever watch. There'll be a game. It hasn't happened yet. They've, I'm going to make them both. That <laughs> scarred me. That ruined Jalen Brown had a masterclass that game, and it was ruined by I'm gonna make them both. But um, also, just like there's gonna be a game where down the stretch, Mavs are down one, five seconds left. Grant Williams is gonna get the ball dribbled off his foot, and the game's Uh-oh. gonna be over. It happens. <laughs> it's gonna be like clockwork. I'm just waiting for the time to happen. I mean. He got 79 more games. It will happen at least once. Trust me. The thing is, I think that they make, he makes them a lot better. Because last year, that team around Luka was not that great. I think I'd yeah. rather do what they're doing right now where they're just going to say, well, we're just going to play in the 120s. And we're just going <laughs> to – we'll give up 125, but we'll score 130. Like, that's mm-hmm. about it. And the thing is, in the West, as strong as it is right now, I mean, it's a second round exit. <laughs> yeah, like at most, I'm gonna. Be I honest. mean, yeah. well, but, no, I, I, they also still have the the high ceiling with Luca because, like, if they go up against, like, if they get to a game seven and you're playing the Suns, the 62 win Suns, and oh wait, the Mavs are up 30. Like, it's ha- we've seen it before where mm-hmm. they've just, but the defense does need to get better for that to happen because yeah. two years ago their defense was so much better than it is right now. I, this team would, I think, would be a lot more dangerous if there weren't seven game series. Like they'd probably be one of the most dangerous teams. But you oh, can, yeah. like, yes. when the playoffs come though, I think. And and Martin, going back to what you were saying, I th- that's the thing I'm worried about with this team though. If you want to play that game of all right, fine, we'll give up 130, we'll score 135. That's fine. But how do you flip the switch when the playoffs start? You don't. You can't. <laughs> 
Well, like, that's yeah. why I just don't see championship potential. And the thing is, they can win any game on any given night because Luca is one of like a few guys in the league where he will just go for sixty. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, we also the insane. He's probably the best in the league at making those crazy circus shots where it's like there is nothing you can do. You're gonna have your best defender on him, and he's just gonna knock everything down right over him. Yes, sir. But the thing is, at the end of the day, I just don't think that this team is constructed well enough or coached well enough to, mm. especially in the Shade? Western Conference. Question mark? No, I'm kidding. I, I think Kid's a good coach. Uh, I do too. I think he's a good he's, coach. But good also, coach. on top of that, um, I, I just want to say, as much as we complain about the defense, Luca is playing better defense this year. Like, it's noticeable from last year. He's complaining less. Yeah. Uh, he, he's <laughs> not complaining less. to the refs while fast break is happening. Or at least not doing it as much. Like I appreciate that of uh, that out of him. I think I think we still forget that he's like twenty five. You know, Luca's kind of a bully with the refs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he is. He he's like top three biggest whiners in the league. Yeah. <laughs> if there's if there's a do we have wines per game? Can anyone? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Harden would be one but... for sure. Well, no, I don't know about that. Anyway, Embiid would not be anymore. Yeah. Embiid would be one. That makes sense. Embiid and Luca would be dueling it out. But I. Oh, Jesus. The thing with the Mavs is this probably isn't the roster that they're going to go in the playoffs with. We have trade deadlines. I think if you're they're in a spot where they have Luka and they have Kyrie, you just need a couple, like a few pieces that maybe a couple second-round picks could get you a team that's selling and they're giving up a good win that can play defense. Those one or two little switches, that's all they need to be a, a lot better team. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And we'll see if they do make a trade. Dallas Mavericks have been known to go out and do so. There have been a lot of pieces moving around Luka within these last few years. They're obviously still trying to figure out the pieces to the puzzle that fit around him. But we'll see what works later into this year. Moving a little north, Oklahoma City Thunder are 3-1. and one. They've gotten off to a nice start. All of us, I think, were pretty optimistic about this team going into this season. I have one question that's on my mind. First off, I want to start off with Chet because he's been terrific. He's averaging 15 a game, over six rebounds, two assists, and almost three blocks per game. He's been terrific on both ends of the floor. He's doing it all. I said I, I thought he would have a Blake Griffin rookie type of year where he just comes in and it's like, man, this guy's just head and shoulders above all other rookies. But I think that year out probably did him. Some good. Um, he looks really good. That's a really tough injury to come off of. Torn Achilles, right? That's what it was. Right? Uh, I think it was like a, a bone in his foot. I don't think it was a, as big of an Achilles, but it was a year-ending foot injury for sure. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Um, which happened in like a a rec league game, like yeah. which was so unfortunate that like <laughs> it wasn't Le- even. Didn't LeBron drive into him? Yeah, 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 it, was, his foot. yeah it was. It yeah. was. Actually, kind of sad. Yeah, like it was just it was, that, it was tough to for that to happen. But yeah, um, to his right foot. Um, but my yeah. pressing question that I have for you guys through three games or four games, excuse me, Shea's averaging twenty six, seven, six, and two and a half. Um, I know it's only four games, but to me, you guys can tell me what you think. I think that's a legitimate stat line for him this season. I could see him. I think it's gonna be more than that. Because to be fair, one of these four like games him. was like the worst game he's almost ever had. Yeah, that game seven, is, seven, oh, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, like, yes. If you take that out, yes. he's averaging like 30. I oh, think yeah. it'll be close, like 30 or above 30. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. think with so many options on this team, I think 
I think 30 is definitely doable, but I, with Chet finding his footing, with Giddy having some nights, I'm just factoring in other guys having big nights and maybe taking a bit of a backseat. Um, but if the Thunder win enough this year, which I think they very well could, I think they could win 50-plus games, is Shea a legitimate MVP candidate this season? I, I think so. He was my prediction in the uh, in our prediction episode. I said I think he could um, get MVP. And if we like last year, he had he averaged thirty one point four. It was just they didn't win that many games. And obviously, you have Chet coming in, but I don't think he's going to take away that many shots from um, SGA. So I think he, like you look at what he can do. I think if he gets to thirty two. Eight and seven, I think that's worthy of an MVP, especially because maybe we we were all high on the Thunder, but I don't think the general NBA fan was. And if they see the Thunder are the two seed by the end of the year, that's going to be a whoa that came out of nowhere. Who was the difference? And then they look at Shea and they say, "Oh wow, this guy should win MVP." One hundred percent. Voters mean, take notice. Yeah, I mean one hundred percent. Like if he's averaging 32 points and they're winning and they're second in the degree or they won 45 games and they get in that playoff contention type area, I mean, they kind of have to look at him for MVP. He's so good on the floor. He's so dynamic. And having Chet and other players on the team is really, really good as well. And I would like to talk about Chet just because he's playing so good on defense and the allegations of him not being able to stay around in a way, I think it's just kind of cap. And I don't know. I like how he plays, and I like how kind of dominant he is on defense as well. You said the allegations of him standing around? Like staying around a little bit. I don't like oh. injuries and stuff like that. I know he just came with the other injury, but, like, he's playing so well, and I don't think he can get injured as easy as he will, like, coming into this season. So He had seven high. blocks against the Cavs. I mean, that's just so amazing. Yeah, like, like, in his third NBA game, he seven blocks. Yeah, he's so, so dynamic so early. second NBA game. Yeah. I think yeah. that year really freshman. did him well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Redshirt freshman for real. I love it. Redshirt I, red shirt, uh, rookie of the year. Facts. And I, people, you know, people <laughs> complain about it like guys winning rookie. Of the, I'm if a guy gets hurt and he has a sit out, then he's a rookie coming back. I don't care. Oh, and if he comes back and kills it, so be it. It's still hard to kill in the NBA whether you've been out a year or two. You could argue it's even harder because you're coming off of an injury and obviously you get time to learn everything and to see things for yourself and to be around the franchise. But I think I've heard so many NBA players say it. You don't know until you're playing. Like, yeah. you can't learn until you're playing. So. I mean, Embiid almost won Rookie of the Year after sitting out for two years. He just didn't play enough. He only <laughs> played, like— Embiid was out forever, man. He, like, he, like, I feel like that's—like, we're sometimes we're too hard on these young guys where Embiid didn't play for the first, like, two and a half years of his career. And he's yeah, like— Yeah, do you guys remember that Sports Illustrated report that came out that said he was like— <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't mean to go off the rails here. They said he wasn't wearing his boot. He was, like, like, drinking Shirley Temples, like, all the time. They said, like, his foot had, like, halfway healed, and he yeah. was, like, hanging around the facility, dunking the ball, like, yeah. like just doing things. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, they were really frustrated with him and his progress because he was, like, not caring, apparently. They thought like, it was Jaleel Okafor's team. But, like, it's crazy how much can change in so, like, it's that was, what, six, seven years ago? Like, yeah. I, it's we just gotta w wait and see with some of these guys that we may be too hard on at the moment. Absolutely. All right, <laughs> transition over. If any, if nobody else has anything to add, transitioning over to two teams. We're gonna blend the storylines a little bit because they played last night. Uh, the Phoenix Suns and the San Antonio Spurs, two polarizing teams around the league. Spurs defeated Phoenix yesterday, one fifteen to one fourteen, on a uh, controversial. Um, sequence. Um, that was the first time in my life I seen Kevin Durant get the ball just 
ripped out of his hands. I was. I thought it was clean though. I didn't, I didn't think it was a foul. I thought that part was clean, but Trey Jones was slapped him a few times on the on the arms, which they came out today. Uh, like the refs came out today and said officially that it was a proper no call. That really they went back. Like they looked at the footage. The two and, minute report. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Well, that's um, good. But that would that. I understand why they do it, but that would drive me crazy as an NBA player. If like you like admitting you messed up the morning after, yeah. Like, what does that do for me? But that's that's a different topic. But yeah, I'm glad they did that though. But let's talk about Wemby. Him. Let's do it. I mean, I'll start. The hype is real. Of course, it's not wrong. It's not wrong, and it's scary. <laughs> I think the the first reaction. I've never I've never seen a player play, and the first reaction is fear. But when you watch a seven foot four man knock down a turnaround fadeaway jumper, you're kind of like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> if this if this is something he develops, it's over, and and that that's not a joke. It's for real. He's been amazing on defense, like definitely a future DPOY candidate. He's been well in the fourth quarters. He's been fantastic on offense, and. I think under Pop, the development is clearly coming along just as well as they thought it would. And especially because it, it makes me happy that the rest of the Spurs team seems like they're coming along well. Devin Vassell looks good. Um, who was it? When, uh, somebody went for 27 against the Keldon uh, Johnson. Yeah. That's right. Keldon is big time. Yeah. He's big time. And I'm glad that they got Vic. I... Gold medal Olympias. Olympian. He was on the uh, 2020 USA team. He was. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But no, I. Real quick here, I'm glad that that they got Vic and that their timeline I think is um to win is expedited because he was a guy I was worried about uh sort of like with Dejounte Murray I was worried that his age I think he's about 25 26 now I was worried his age wouldn't necessarily fit with their timeline and that 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 they would be inclined to trade him um sooner rather than later because they're still rebuilding and he's sort of entering years that are supposed to be his prime so. It's really good to see him playing at a high level on both ends because I think that dude is is big time. And if there's a piece that could be um, huge around Wimby, I think it's it's him. He could be an all star caliber player around Wimby, who's I think gonna be an all NBA type of guy. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Martin. No, you're all good. Um, yeah, the Spurs. I don't think they're gonna be competing for a play in like some people suggest. I think yeah, that the West now. is a little a little bit too strong. <laughs> I think I'll be honest, in the East, probably. Probably in the East, but not mm-hmm. in the West. Yeah, I just mean like in the soon the years to come very oh, soon. Yeah. Like like next year. Probably year next that. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Webanyama looks fantastic. I think I mean it's it's like no surprise, but oh, yeah. it's still it's still just an interesting thing to talk about because of how unique of a player he is. It's just something you've never seen before on an NBA court. I think they could still fight for the ten. If that's, I don't know if that's a crazy statement. I like that. But like, obviously, last year they were really bad. But before that, they were the ten seed. They had thirty low thirties wins. I think if you look at, they have a a quality NBA starting five. When you look at it, with Zach, I mean, Keldon Johnson, Zach Collins, Wemby, Devin Vassell. Uh, Trey Jones, like those are very good NBA players, and they have the greatest coach of all time coaching them. True. So that's gonna like, if you were to take them or like a team like the Pelicans, if they're having like a very similar season and it's coming down the stretch, and you need to win two out of three or three out of four to get in, I want Pop coaching my team. And if then 
by then you have Wemby who's more settled in. I think they have a potential if they get can get to like I don't know. It's, it would be if it was like thirty nine wins to get the ten seed. I, I don't see that's like their ceiling. I mean, top the thing ceiling. is, mm-hmm. I think the only the only teams that they are better than right now are the Rockets and the Blazers. I think they're better than the Jazz. I was about to say I think that's on, on paper maybe, but with with Wimby and the pieces around them, coupled with Pop coaching them, I think this team wins a handful of games they're not supposed to this year. Sure. I also think they'll be better than the Grizzlies. Oh, that's Whoa. that's. that's I think even I mean Ja is coming back at some point. I mean, He'll be back. Yeah, but Stephen Adams won't be. And True, but they true. also They're, still have the reigning DPOY. They do, but they don't have any like. And Marcus I, Smart. This is this is a big test for Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm optimistic, but, but I, I, hope, like, I hope someone within the organization is telling him, "Hey, it's time for you to be the interior guy that we need you to be." You know, mm-hmm. Stephen Adams is not here. I honestly hope they don't go out and trade for another guy because I think it's going to force him to be what they need him to be. And he's capable of doing it. He's capable. Of, he just hasn't had to. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh, like tough start on four. Like this could just kind of like if they come back, if Jock comes back and they're on a, a team that, so what, he's out for the first 25 games. If they're on a team that's like, uh, I don't know, 10 and 15, 9 and 16. Like how how what will they will what will he will them back to and it's i i just, i don't know i just think 9 and 16 isn't that bad though it's not it's not terrible you but know, it's not like football you can rattle off i mean you you win you go on a, a road trip or something you have a couple of games they're also in. already 0 and 4 so like if they if it really slides i don't i don't know i just think mm-hmm. if they slide and there's one team with bad vibes and one team with good vibes. How's the last month of the year going to go? Yeah. I think the team with better, it sounds crazy, but I think the team with better vibes might uh, just have a better regular season. Because maybe if these two teams, I'm not saying the Spurs are better than the Grizzlies, but like sometimes that's not all it is. They It's not like a head-to-head thing. It's You're playing 82 games, and over the course of 82 games, sometimes worst teams have better records oh for sure basketball is a game of runs and i think this season is a game of runs within itself yeah true so true what about the suns i think a lot i mean i'll I'll say for myself i was a doubter as far as beginning the season with this like oh are we just gonna stack three really good guards and or forwards and just hope it works but Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it seems like it's working so far what do you guys think I mean, we haven't even seen it. We haven't even seen all yeah. three of them. We've yeah, only true. saw two of them once. But, it's been yeah. K- it's been kind of the KD show, mm-hmm. and it's still working. I I I've been <laughs> excited with watching Nurkic and Okogi's been really good for them. I think if KD can still kind of hold them above water for their expectations until Booker and Beal get back, I think. Oh, KD can. Absolutely. I know, I know he I think can. He's been doing it, and he's going to do <laughs> he it. He can. He's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, it's true. Just, it's true. It's, if all three of them do. get hurt, that's that's a tanking team. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's problematic. Yeah, then, then another spot in the play, and somehow might be open. But um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, for now, they're they're fun to watch with KD. Man, he's been mm-hmm. he's been really good. It's fun because you just get to watch KD ball out with some 
some role players. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That's a that's a <laughs> five hundred team right there. Let's <laughs> yeah. wait for it's a back. it's a big difference from uh, what he was doing five or six years ago with the <laughs> kind of talent he had around him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how quickly things can change in the world of the NBA. Um, if anyone doesn't have anything to add, we're gonna play one quick trivia game before we get out of here. Do you want to do the standout player? We can, we can. Um, we'll go rapid fire. Standout player from the West. I'll go with my MIP, even though they haven't won uh, that many games. Alperin Sengun, he's looked pretty good. I think like 16 and 9 and 5 so far. So He's big time. Yeah. You know what? This is a, I'm going to shout out a player that I don't like, but shockingly, Dylan Brooks. Dude is shooting 55% from three. <laughs> I don't know how, but thus far, he's been crazy. So I like it. I like it. I'm just going to go with Joker. He's been so good. He's been just such a dominant player. There's no way you could just not take him. MVP candidate again. I'm going to go with Laurie Markkinen. He's averaging 25, just under 10 boards a game, to go along with two assists. I think I, he went for 36 to beat the uh, to beat the Clippers as well. Went crazy. Yes. He's big time. Big time, big time, big time. And I, I like what they have going on out in Utah. And I also like their head coach, uh, Will Hardy, I think is his name. Yep. He was an assistant mm-hmm. for the Celtics for a while. They went and got him early. All right, to close things out, we're going to do a quick uh, game. Everyone is going to, we're going to go around the table, name a team, and then we'll guess the last year that that team won a title. Or if they won a title. If they have won a title, you can throw that in there. So um, does anyone want to go first? I'll go first. All right. First team, the Portland Trailblazers. 76. 77. Dead on. Wow. Yes. I, Quick. That's because Bill Walton, guys, had a yeah. one-year prime. Yeah. Bill like, Walton. He well, no, he was, he was a six-man for the Celtics in eight, that's, 1987. But that's not a prime. Yeah, no, I guess it's not a prime. Yeah. yeah I Injuries, think, man. He was. It's fascinating. I think he played in 65 games that year. They won 50 of the games that he played in, and he led them to a chip. Yeah. Portland one, legend forever. One of the biggest what ifs. Oh yeah. One of the biggest all time. Bro, the Trailblazers are one of the biggest what ifs. Like <laughs> every yeah, every single time. What if you draft it, Jordan? Yep. What if you draft Durant? What if Walton doesn't get? What if Roy doesn't yeah, get hurt? What, what if you do anything with Damian Lillard? Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. All right. Shot. Um, Tim, you got one. Um, I'll go with the. Uh. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Houston Rockets. 95. Do you know, Tim? I think it's... 94? I think I'm it's 95, that. 90. No, they back to back, 94, 94 95. 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it 94, 95 or 95, 96? No, 94, 95. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty right. sure. I'm pretty sure. I should have looked this up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was I right? I... Because they went 94-95, Jordan went 6-7-8, right? Then Spurs, no, went, Spurs I, went 99. Or was it? The last time the Houston Rockets Jordan won a chip was in 1995. Uh, Got it. I thought. That's big time. I don't know they, why. They did 94-95, Jordan was 6-7-8. I thought he then was 7-8-9. I don't know why. The Spurs, the Spurs snuck in at 9. Then it was the Lakers. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they did. Snuck out. Snuck around, got a chip. All right, mine is the New York Knicks. Oh wait, because they didn't they didn't win one with Ewing. Oh, I don't even know. Ewing never got a chip. Oh, this is gonna be like oh, Bernard. It's King. an American tragedy. This is, this is gonna be like Bernard King teams. Bernard King, King of New York. 
Is this like hmm. 70? I love Bernard King. Is it 79? No, but you're close. 78? 76? No. Is it 80? No. no. 82? I feel like it was earlier. No. It, it, is it like 75? You're getting close. 74. 72. 73. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. No, oh, I'm playing. Yeah, 73. Gosh. Man. 73. Shout out Bernard King. Yeah. Although he wasn't on that team then. He was on the 80s. But hey, Bernard King, I think 50 points on Christmas. Is that yeah? That's the record, I think, right? Yeah. Hold on. We're gonna. I'm. Nah. <laughs> Spe- um. Speaking of Christmas, uh, and kind of the Jersey talk that's been going around the NBA. Sixty on Christmas in wow. '84. Dang. They need to go back to the. Uh, every team gets a jersey on Christmas. A different like the they go to the script okay. jerseys or like the sleeve jerseys. We have enough. We have enough. No, just a one time, on. one time thing. Christmas, <laughs> everyone has the same kind of thing, just different colors. I don't know who's making these jerseys. I try not to call for people's jobs. I whoever's, think it's Nike. Whoever's yeah. out here doing this needs to be fired it's immediately. The, the city the jerseys. The creativity is. Oh my. God. Or the lack thereof is yeah. staggering. <laughs> it's just like a gray jersey with like boring font. Facts. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, Derek, do you have a, a team the franchise? Utah Jazz. They never won. Never. I don't think. They, they had Malone and. No. Uh, do you know they were an expansion? Do you know? No. no. They yeah, they, they never won. By the way, chokest like team of all time as far like the the Stockton Malone Jazz. They were healthy and good for like a decade. Well, I mean, they <laughs> they ran into Jordan. Like, they, yeah. they choke or do they just run into Jordan and like both and the Rockets. Like those both those teams were just like Jordan. I get because he had the rest of the league in a chokehold. The those, Rockets. Those I'm Rocket not, team were good. They were good, but I'm not being. Mm-hmm. So were those Jazz teams. But that. So. But the, those, so jazz those Jazz teams, teams are like the best core ever to not win a chip. They went on for like they were like healthy and good for like a decade. Yeah, bro. I mean, if somebody told you the greatest pick and roll tandem will run, will the greatest pick and roll tandem will operate and have a prime of what, twelve, fifteen yeah, years? They had a long run. You think they won a championship? I think the immediate answer would be a resounding yes. It'd be and, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, the the number two scorer of all time and one of the best point guards of all time, who are a perfect pairing and are also Iron Men and like are never hurt, are play together forever. You'd be like, oh, of course, of, yeah, course, of course they win a chip. They're, they're gonna win multiple, but nope. that's the strange world of the NBA. Um, that'll conclude our episode for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry we made this another long one, but hey, there's a lot going on around the league. There's a lot to talk about. Thank you for getting through it with us. Go out, be nice to people. Much love. We'll see you next time.